Hey guys, and welcome back to the next episode of We're Spinning Plates. I'm Em. And I'm Kira. And I actually think I have lost track of what number episode this is. That's when you know you're fully into the swing. I know. I've been wondering when this was going to happen because we've been starting each one like, welcome to the second, third, fourth episode. And I'm like, at one point, we're either going to have to be really committed to remembering or we're just going to have to stop. So (laughs) I guess that's today. We're comfortably in the swing of We're Spinning Plates. (laughs) So how has your week been? let's start off with the roundup. My week has been lovely but also one of those weeks that I think is very classically between Christmas and the new year before going back to work where time has completely warped like I have no idea what day it is. Um, Today I'm kind of like back in the swing because it's a Monday but like before that it was like anyone's guess what day it was, what I was going to be doing and basically everything else but (laughs) I have been um, having a pretty good week, been back at the gym which I've been really enjoying because before Christmas I was way too busy and I just wasn't finding time for it but now I'm back at the gym and this week Jay and I have spent most of our evenings watching The Queen's Gambit which is so so good literally obsessed with it it was like one of those shows that everyone was talking about so we were keen to watch it and we both really like the actress Anya Taylor-Joy because she is in the new adaptation of Emma that came out this year that we both really liked as well but when it's a really popular show, it's always a little bit scary, like, no, yeah, whether you're going to like it. Yeah, but I it was four. so good. <gasps> oh, it's, it's just so good. <gasps> Why? I don't know. I watched it on the Christmas from hell, and I feel like I now associate it. Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll go back. I will go back. Yeah, but it was really enjoyable. I have no idea about chess. Couldn't tell you anything about it. Couldn't play a game. <laughs> Absolutely not. But for some reason, it's just so interesting. I think it does have a really good cast, and I love the like 60s aesthetic, and it's just really, really good. So that has been most of my week watching TV, going to the gym, and forgetting what day it is. <laughs> I feel like that's a rite of passage with the week between Christmas yeah. and New Year. I also think it's really clever, going back to the chess thing, when a TV programme or a book or a movie manages to take quite a niche technical topic and make it accessible mm-hmm. to everyone. I was thinking about that when I was... I, yesterday I filmed my top ten books of the year and uh, I was talking mm-hmm. about Head Over Heels by Hannah Orenstein, which I don't think you've read, but I think you've probably heard me talk about no. the one that's about gymnastics and the Olympics. Um, uh, I love gymnastics. Yeah, me too. But I, well, I, why did I say me too? I love it after reading that book, but before that I didn't really have any knowledge on it. And there was a lot of gymnastics in that book, but yet it was so accessible to a beginner or a reader that didn't know anything yeah. about it. I think that's a real talent. No, that's a really good point. It really is. Content. Yeah. Um, Definitely. I'm a little bit concerned because I've got the book of the Queen's Gambit. It's based on a book that was written in the 80s. And I'm slightly concerned that without the visual element, it is going to be a bit too niche chess chessy basically I just don't know if I'm gonna like it as much but obviously I'll give it a try and feedback when I read it yeah actually that would be really interesting I've seen a lot of people reading that and also a lot of people reading the Bridgerton book I don't know if people are reading it after they've seen it on Netflix I haven't watched that on Netflix yet me neither Uh, I think I probably will give it a go I don't know I don't like period dramas at all but everyone's saying it's kind of a little bit like Gossip Girl Ah. and I did like that but I'm debating it but I've seen a lot of people reading that book uh As for my week, this has been a really weird week because it has been kind of my Christmas week, just like transferred, like a postponed Christmas, which has been really, really lovely. And I have spent the start of the new year basically just rereading my favourite books from 2020, which 
was such a good rule. Like, I think I'm gonna do that every year. I actually did it because it was for a YouTube video and I always do that at the end of the year and it had to be delayed because of COVID. But I actually think it's a really nice way to start off the reading year on a positive note with books that you know mm. you're going to love. So the two that I read were Writers and Lovers by Lily King. Will we get through a podcast episode without mentioning that <laughs> book? It's literally my favourite book. I think tied with After I Do by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Favourite book of all time. Mm. Um, and then I also read Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderton, which has actually inspired our main theme of the week this week. So that's going to be mm. interesting to talk about. Um I don't think I've watched anything this week, but it's just been a week of eating nice. <laughs> and appreciating the fact that I can taste again <laughs> and really taking advantage of that. And yeah, just a delayed Christmas, which has been really fun. So that's my weekly roundup. Sounds like a fabulous week and I'm so, so glad that you've actually got to enjoy a like proper Christmas. <laughs> Obviously slightly delayed, but I guess better than no Christmas at all. So I'm very glad you've had a lovely festive week of food. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of Christmas, everyone knows. 100%. So I think that brings our weekly roundup to an end. So let's jump into the main topic of this week's episode. Okay, so jumping into today's topic, which I'm really excited about, definitely wasn't my idea, but I love it nonetheless, <laughs> we're going to be talking about the topic of essentially finding joy in the little things. But as Em mentioned in our weekly roundup, this idea was hers, inspired by Dolly Alderton. So I'll hand over to you, Em, to give a little bit more of an overview about what exactly we're going to be talking about. Okay, so as I said, the idea for this week's topic came from Dolly Alderton's memoir called Everything I know about love which I spent the entirety of my Sunday just reading cover to cover oh. <laughs> and I went through and I was like rainbow tabbing all of the bits that I oh. felt resonated with me or that I really liked or were good observations about life and there's this period of the book and a period because essentially everything I know about love just goes through and observes Dolly's 20s so including her teenage years a bit but mainly her 20s and mm -hmm. she's talking about when she gets to 25-ish or a bit before and how she realizes the is it mundanity or mundanity i'd say probably mundanity but that's a pure mundanity. guess yeah <laughs> i'm gonna go with that because you said it <laughs> oh God. and put the blame onto you um and she talks about realizing the mundanity of life when you get to your 20s i think there's a big build-up to adulthood mm. and you talk when you're a child about the things you want to do when you're an adult and they're often very wild like wildest dreams and then you get to adulthood and those things can happen but also it's a lot of you know similar things every day it's a lot of small things that you can find joy in which is a realization she comes to later on in the chapter but it's about real saying going from when I grow up to being that grown-up and what happens if it doesn't live those wildest live up to those wildest dreams mm -hmm. because I feel like life often doesn't, especially for me, because I feel like, because I write stories, I write stories in my head about what I want my own life to be like, and they can never live up to that expectation. And so she starts off the chapter talking about the mundanity of life, and she ends the chapter, and I'm gonna read out a quote here, uh, and she says, I thought of the blissful mundanity of life, of what a pri privilege it was to live it. So she goes from almost being scared of the realization that life is very mundane mm -hmm. to, 
the kind of realization at the end that that's a privilege and that all of those small things that make up life and that seem mundane are actually the things that make life great so i thought that we could talk about the small things in life the small things that we appreciate i think it's also very relevant as we move into 2021 because although it is a fresh new year although it is exciting 2021 the beginning of it we're still very much in a pandemic and so we need to rely more on the small things so it applies in a wider context of being in your 20s and realizing that life can be mundane but also the beginning of 2021 we need to find hope in places that are maybe on a smaller scale to what we might usually find them in a new year so that is today's (laughs) theme (laughs) i love it i just think it's such a good thing and such a good practice to be able to sort of express gratitude and joy in the smaller things and i think it definitely is something that isn't exclusive to your 20s but i think that's kind of the time when it becomes the most apparent because at least in my experience the rest of your life is building up to that point in the sense that you are in education at least until you're 18 but if you go to university until your early 20s and you're thinking about career paths, where you want to go in the future, and suddenly, after you've graduated, if you then move into the world of work, that's when everything settles, and you kind of just have to start finding the rhythm of your life, because you're no longer on that academic path, and that is, I think, where all of this sort of reality of what life, in inverted commas, because it's so broad, actually is, (laughs) like, it's just a very interesting time, but let's jump into it. So I guess we'll start with some of the things that have been bringing us joy and that we like the little things. Do you have one to kick us off? Okay, so my first one is probably my most small and weirdest (laughs) moment of joy. And it's, okay, hear me out. When you butter toast and it butters just right. And so for me, I know that... (laughs) I know that for everyone, this means different things. And I know that it can be quite controversial. So if you're one of those people that waits until it's like cold and puts your butter on, I just, I really, really judge you. I'm sorry. I don't judge many people for many things, but that one's one of them. (laughs) But mine is when it kind of almost fully melts. So it's melted into the toast, but then you've got like pools of not yet melted Mm. butter and you manage to catch it in that moment. That is a small moment of joy at the beginning of the day that just fills me with content. So I don't know if you've watched Nigella, but in her most recent series, she talked about how she has a two level buttering system. what I can get on board with. So basically she butters it with a layer as soon as it comes out of the toaster. She lets that melt completely and then she goes in with a second layer that partially melts so you're getting extra butter and it looked absolutely incredible and then she also sprinkled it with like proper sea salt because she's fancy but oh my that is uh... (laughs) oh my I don't think I've ever said that in my life (laughs) that brought it out in me. Um, I would also love to know, like, what what level of toasted are you going for with toast? Oh, oh. okay, so it depends what it's for. <laughs> toast politics. <laughs> if it's to dip in soup, okay. then very lightly toasted. Or a bacon butty or a sausage butty or something like that, very lightly toasted. Mm-hmm. If it's for just toast, I would say just a medium level. I don't like it burnt. I don't like it floppy because it's not toasted in enough. Okay. Just like it in the middle. Okay, I hear you. I a hear bit of browning. You. I um <laughs> personally, I in most areas of food, I like it on the verge of being burnt. I just love burnt foods. Um, do you know what? You do strike me as someone that would have like a on the scale like a number nine. Yeah, toast. like I just love a dark toast. 
especially if it's going to be with like salty butter because I think the butter like brings like it makes it softer melts into it and then you've got like a sort of char grill taste (laughs) 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 if I'm having um peanut butter or something like that then I will go much lighter because peanut butter doesn't like melt or make the toast softer so I feel like then I don't want the toast as, as burnt but if it's butter all the way burnt do you know what like it brings me disgust but also I, I expected that from you <laughs> <laughs> okay so moving on from toast politics yeah. because obviously that is a great conversation to start the day we're actually filming this filming this why do I always say that recording <laughs> this at uh, half seven in the morning so I will be going after this to get some toast and Ooh. I definitely won't be having it Kira's way <laughs> but what is the first item on your small joy list so the first item on my small joy list is one that I'm currently holding in my hands Ooh, and that is the first cup of tea of the day you just simply cannot beat it I feel like probably a healthier way to start the day would be with water but it's fine tea is my constant companion in life and (laughs) nothing brings me greater joy than that first cup of tea of the day especially in the winter when it's kind of like cold outside you have to kind of coax yourself out of the warm cocoon of bed and you know that it's a little bit easier with that delightfully hot tea waiting for you um and I just love it it is the first of many 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 cups of tea throughout the day I'm like a seven cup a day kind of person but oh wow I know do you know what's funny though like on my, I was gonna say this one last just because I wrote it down last <laughs> but it ties into my second one which is the first sip of coffee in the morning <laughs> like I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that we would both both choose one of the first activities of the day because mm-hmm. I do think we're both morning Definitely. people and a, a lot actually three out of five of mine are related to that time of day I feel like I just love that fresh time of day, but I do completely agree with you. Like, I actually, I feel a bit of a fraud putting that on my list right now because I've actually been off coffee for over two weeks now due to COVID. Oh my God. That was the weirdest symptom. Like, I just did not want coffee at all, even oh. when my appetite came back, which is weird. But in general, mm-hmm. turning on my coffee machine in the morning, getting it just right with the syrups and the oat milk <laughs> and uh, the first sip of coffee is delightful. So I completely relate to you there. Mm-hmm. I also feel like I'm not generally a coffee person, but the sound of like a coffee machine in the morning is just like yes. nothing else. So I can 100% get on board with that. But it is just so lovely. Hot drinks are just so the soothing. One. Yeah, they really yeah, are. Yeah, especially in winter. Maybe we've said that because we're in winter time and it's just like so vital mm. to have your hands around a warm mug in the morning. Definitely. Definitely, absolutely agree. But yeah, those are just such a small joy. Literally, like, it takes no time at all to make a cup of tea. But it just, I think, obviously it's comforting. And it's also, like, we've talked about part of, like, a morning routine, which I think is really important when you kind of are settling into the, like, mundane rhythm of life. Those, like, little routines and things to look forward to are all the more important. Yeah, definitely. Especially in today's climate where we are working from home I know both of us do that yeah and I think it's really important to have something that separates the like sleep to the morning of work and also at the end of the day you have to have that too because I don't know about you but I work in my bedroom and so getting out of bed and just like wandering over to the desk (laughs) doesn't work for me like I need steps which separate the like bed section of life to the work (laughs) section of life um and I think the first sip of coffee in the morning is like representative of that divide yeah oh I love that that's like such a beautiful piece of imagery (laughs) (laughs) what me stumbling from the bed to desk (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I feel like this is where you're an author because, like, technically, yes, that is what happens when you described it the second way. But the first way of, like, getting out of bed and separating the bed with the real life and the cup of coffee <laughs> representing that is just, like, such a like bookish piece of imagery. Oh, I will take that compliment. <laughs> if I manage to romanticize the commute, I say that with inverted commas, then I've done a good job. You have, definitely. <laughs> okay, what is next on your list? Well, I feel like I've just said oh, okay. number two That's for me, true. So that is true. number two for you. Okay, so next one, unbeatable in my opinion, is... Okay, I'm ready. A good chat. <laughs> oh, oh, do you know what? Like, when you first said it, I was like need to process it but completely understand what you mean like our weekly chats do like refuel me literally like so this is not something that's new to my 20s but it's something I've always appreciated because as a child I would go to school as you do um, and then I'd come home from school and then me my mum and occasionally my siblings but they're like a little bit less chatty than me but me and my mum definitely would always sit down in the kitchen have like a tea or coffee probably like half a pack of digestive biscuits and just like chat for ages and ages until um like we'd have dinner or whatever so like it's always been something that I've loved and I think because my mum is Irish and she can chat forever and ever (laughs) that's something I've inherited so I just love a good chat and it's nice when it's just like you're not chatting about something like it's not work related or yeah. you know uni related or like for something in particular it's just chatting having a good time and I just love it do you know like I really really love that one <laughs> I think that that even harps back for like for me as well to high school and like memorizing you'd get you'd have a whole day with your friends at school and then you'd have their landline number memorized <laughs> and you'd phone them from your landline at home after dinner yeah. and just like chat for hours <laughs> and you have I have no idea what we used to chat about I know. But it was so restorative and also just like the power of chatting to someone I think I realized in isolation like when you came into my driveway for that little chat like it really did give me the boost I needed I think yeah there is so much power in a chat with someone that you respect and that you trust and is just such an easy flowing chat like yeah what a lovely one thank you okay Uh, yeah I salute that one I kind of wish it was on my list okay so for my third one would you prefer I go for the third in the trio of morning ones or would you prefer I give you something different no go for the third morning one let's like conclude the morning routine Okay, so this is like really specific to my York life. I don't think I've ever experienced this small joy somewhere else, although I imagine if I lived in a different city, I'd just find it in that different city. But one of my favorite things, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, is managing to get up before work and going for a walk around the river in the York (laughs) Minster before anyone else is awake. Like I just love that period of time before most people are awake when it feels like you're just completely alone with your thoughts. Mm. Like, I know certain people that listen to this are going to message me and laugh at me (laughs) for saying that and say it's, like, the nerdiest thing. (laughs) But I just think there's something so lovely about a walk at that time of day Mm. when it feels like the world is waking up. Like, I just love that. And when I do that in the mornings, it sets me in the right mindset. It does separate that, you know, bed, desk, (laughs) commute. And I just, yeah, I love that. It's something that I really would miss if I left York because I know I could walk anywhere. But there's something about the York Minster which is just Mm. so, like, steady but, like, glorious. (laughs) Not to do an ode to the York Minster, but if you haven't seen the York Minster, it is a cathedral in the centre of York, and it's just this gothic beautiful building. It's so stunning, and the river as well. Like, it's just such a perfect walk, Mm. and I really 
it's something that immediately grounds me and immediately makes me feel gratitude for everything else that follows it. Mm-hmm. If you know what I no, mean, 100%. I feel like being knowing that that walk, which is a walk that I know a lot of people come to York as a tourist for, is part of my daily routine, really, really grounds me. So that is my number three. A little bit deep there. I love it, and it's kind of ironic because my number three is. <laughs> A little bit less specific, but I've written walks by water because... Oh, I like that, yeah. I just feel like, yeah, you can walk anywhere, but water is just like... I feel like I'm saying water funny. Water. <laughs> water. <laughs> water. Um, but water... Wa- <laughs> water. It's <laughs> just such a, like you say, calming presence. Um, in particular, I really like Round Day Park in Leeds, which is... Oh, yeah, that's Obviously, a good one. one of the most popular parks in the area for anyone that lives nearby, but it's got this huge lake in it. I absolutely love it because it's just so magnificent to look at. Like, no matter what the weather, it's just really interesting to see how, like, the water changes and, like, reflects what's going on around it. And it's just so beautiful. And I just also just love the sound of, like, running water. Like, we have a little pond in our garden with a waterfall. So, when we open our window on the morning, you can hear the waterfall outside. And it's just so nice. I feel like there's just something about it that's kind of like, like you say, grounding. And it gives you that sort of feeling of like something that's like bigger. There's like a whole ecosystem in this lake that's like just running on its own thing. And it's like, oh yeah, that's all fine. So maybe I'll be fine as well. Definitely. I think it reminds you that it's okay to be a part of a system that just keeps running and running. Mm, Yeah. Like if going back to the mundanity of life, I think sometimes it's, it's kind of nice to remind yourself that being part a cog in that machine is can be really beautiful too like when you just appreciate the small things so i really like that one and then my last two one of them's really tiny and one of them's <laughs> probably the biggest one to achieve on this list like it's a, it's a moment of intense joy but it's like not a small one so i'm gonna go with the small one first okay. <laughs> and that is it only occurs when i'm at my parents house and it's when i'm sitting on the sofa or really when i'm anywhere and we've got a hardwood floor in the dining room. <laughs> when I hear my cat's paws oh. tap, tap, tapping along that hardwood floor, like I instantly just feel this intense oh. joy. It's like knowing that your cat is coming to you and knowing you're about to experience the cuddle from the cat. And also this is second only to, this is the elite cat paw noise, but it doesn't occur anymore because we don't have a beanbag. <laughs> but when we had a beanbag and Bobo used to climb onto the beanbag, <laughs> The sound of his little paws hitting those beans. His beans hitting the beans, honestly. Honestly, oh my God. That's, that's like elite cat paw noise. But yeah, just something about that noise that just really soothes me. I think it's like tied to nostalgia as well mm. of being in my parents' house. It's like something I associate only with that place. And yeah. so I just, I love it. Anything to do with cats, really. It's yeah, small joy. <laughs> you are definitely a cat lady. Um, but cats are wonderful. And I just think animals in general have like that, like sort of comforting presence because they're just so generally like chill there's nothing like going on in a cat's life really like they're just living their life which is always nice and it's nice when they, and they love it i know they, they just they literally never, they, yeah live their they're best so lives always to be you know sleeping and eating and repeating they don't get bong bong down <laughs> bong, what's the ser- bog- bogged bogged <laughs> Bunged, bunged, um, <laughs> bogged down with the mundanity of life because that that's something they love. Yeah, it just we is. We should all be cats. I know. Imagine, and the, although the amount of superiority the world would have in it if we were all cats is maybe a bit dangerous. 
Yeah, yeah. I definitely just, any noise associated to being at home with my cat <laughs> is just, I don't know, it, it heals me. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so number four on my list. I've, I'm reading these exactly as I've written them because I just find it kind of funny. But I've written down, <laughs> finding a TV show that's just it. Like a TV show that yep. just speaks to you. It doesn't happen that often. Jay and I are serial show starters and not finishers like there's so many oh that hurts me so many occasions where we just like get started on something and then we're like okay we're quite busy is this worth our time and a lot of the time we're like no it's not but then occasionally we find something that is so the queen's gambit is one example of that and i just have been obsessed with it i finished it last night and it was obviously so good as i mentioned oh i didn't realize you'd finished it yeah i won't say anything about it because you still need to finish (laughs) it but it was incredible and that was the first time in ages that we've both like clicked with the same show obviously like we'll watch things separately all the time but it's nice as well just to like have something to like sit down with dinner and watch and just have (laughs) like something to Uh, yes i love watching tv with my partner I'm sorry um but yeah it is it is a nice time and then separately I've also alone been watching Call the Midwife again um the Christmas special was on over Christmas and then the new season will was be- it that's weird <laughs> excuse me <laughs> um then the, the new season will be out in January but I was feeling like I needed to watch it and so I went back to Netflix and I'm starting again from season one, which I've been loving. It's just nice when wow. there's a TV show that you just like, that's my show. It's just nice. Yeah, I love that. It takes a lot for me to uh, click with the TV show. Mm-hmm. I feel like TV is one of those things where it has to be a really specific type of TV show. I recently, um, when I was in isolation, I rewatched the entirety. And when I say the entirety, I mean the first two seasons because anything after that doesn't count. Of Misfits. Have you ever seen it? I actually never got into Misfits. I was more oh. of like a Skins person back in the day. Oh, see, I, I never tried that. Oh, love Misfits skins, yeah. is just so my type of humour. So I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. It's lovely when you like just click with anything really. Yeah. With people, with books, with TV shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nice moment. Yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like with TV, it's like another sort of symptom of being in your 20s is like always being busy so like I said it definitely takes like something that you really click with or feel nostalgia for to like really get into it so I spend a lot more time re-watching old favorites than I do actually getting into new things so it's really nice when you do find something new that just like speaks to you (laughs) speaks to you what I love about talking about the small things is that it brings out some really like deep and emotional language (laughs) and that is no but I feel like that's the point of it to be able to feel emotional about these tiny things because we can't at the moment and also when you enter adulthood it's sometimes hard to feel emotion for the bigger things Mm. or to experience the bigger things so I feel like this is the whole point I love it yeah um and then the final one on my list as I said is a little bit more of like a larger a larger one which is the realizing a manuscript is going to stick and this has only happened to me about three times or four times in my life. And I've tried to write a lot more manuscripts than that. And I feel like you can have an idea in your head. Like before I even ever get started writing a book, I formulated in my head like a lot of it and I glorify it in my head and I'm like, this is going to (laughs) be the next bestseller. And then sometimes you sit down to write it and you've only got about 10,000 words in you and 
then it just fizzles and there is no middle section like the middle section is both my best friend and my worst enemy because mm. it is the hardest thing to be able to get right but then when you do get it right it is a glorious moment but I feel like that moment when you realize that a manuscript does have mileage once you've put it onto paper and it kind of like clicks in your mind that you are going to be able to continue with this and it's going to become like an integral part of your life like I love that and I feel like I've included it on this list because it is not necessarily the tiniest moment of joy mm. however it is a moment of joy that is entirely or not entirely because obviously sometimes you can want a manuscript to stick and it doesn't but it is something within my control mm. so in a period of life when I can't control much for example right now pandemic it is something that I can work on on my own and I can source that joy for myself. So I feel like it does kind of fit into this list. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, I'm not an author, so I don't have the experience of that. But I feel like as well, something that makes it fit well for this list is the fact that it's kind of something that's like entirely yours. Like at the point of yeah. writing, like it's something that is a form of escapism. And I think really nice because as we've touched on you kind of left that period of like following a particular path and you've kind of like out into the wide world and there's a lot to think about whereas that can be kind of something to follow that has like a structure something that you can make work that kind of like mirrors the structure that we kind of had as like students and everything which I think yeah is really nice definitely I think having things that feel just like yours and it's almost mm. like your secret from the rest of the world at least at that point in the writing stage it is yeah I definitely feel like it's just a lovely moment a lovely process mm. um knowing that it's like finding a best friend because when you get to the end of writing a manuscript uh it, you are absolutely best friends with those characters because <laughs> you have spent so much time with them and that moment when you realize that you are going to be able to spend that much time with them it's like making a friend in oh, the that's so <laughs> least cute. cheesy way possible and it is just I think it's probably one of the things that brings me most joy mm. um so although it isn't tiny I definitely wanted to include it so what is your number five <laughs> mine is definitely <laughs> not such like a, a grand <laughs> thing mine is being able to like choose all of your own meals oh no that is big do not <laughs> do not underestimate this one this this is big like you know like when you're younger and you see like grown-ups eating ice cream on tv i say grown-ups as if yeah. i'm like not one but like <laughs> it's just such a like an exciting prospect like i could eat ice cream for dinner when i'm a grown-up and i'm gonna do it every day obviously that's not the case but there have been many occasions where I've been like, do you know what, today is a cereal for dinner kind of day and no one's going to stop me. Um, or like, I'm going to have pesto pasta five nights in a row. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I was waiting for it. Um, but it's like, you know, I'm in pure control of uh, the entire experience. And obviously, there's also something nice about being a child and you'd never have to buy or cook your own meals. That's obviously a nice thing as well. Yeah. But you have to eat what your mum's making you, no matter what. Like, either you eat that or you don't eat. So, yeah, there is definitely exactly. a lovely element of control where I'm like, I never have to eat chicken pie again. Obviously, I'm never going to eat chicken pie again because I'm vegan. But before <laughs> before I was vegan, it'd be like, I'm never going to have to eat that horrible meal that I don't like ever again. Um, so That's so freeing. I know, it really is. So liberating. Yeah. <laughs> And I feel like that can be categorised, or not categorised, I don't know what the word is, it can be marked by the point in your life when you realise, 
I could buy a birthday cake when it's not my birthday and I could eat it. <laughs> Have I told you about the time when Jay bought <laughs> a, um, like, Disney Frozen birthday cake? <laughs> this was back in September when Bake Off was on. We obviously make a big deal about, like, especially for the first and last weeks of Bake Off, getting, like, a really exciting snack. So I would get, like, yeah. you know, cookies or, like donuts or something (laughs) Jay decided to go for a full celebration cake like a children's (laughs) birthday cake and he lived his best life let me tell you so 100% it's within our power as grown-ups to do that and I feel like he was just using that power to his advantage (laughs) I love that Jay when you edit this my respect for you just went up (laughs) But I feel like that does tie into the mundanity of life Mm. because it's talking about when you go from when I am a grown-up and you have these grand plans and sometimes feeling let down by that. But that is only an upgrade. Mm. Like, that can never be (laughs) something you can be disappointed by. Like, you get to pick what you want to eat all the time. And, yeah, definitely that element of gaining control in your life is exciting. And it is might seem small, but it actually... It's big. It's a big thing. Yeah, and there's also, like, a period of time right now before we potentially may in future, like, have children to look after where we can be totally free with it. Whereas I think once you become, like, a parent, then you have to become, like, what your parents were like and obviously think about making, like, healthy, balanced, nutritious choices for meals (laughs) that are, like, varied and not the same meal every day for two weeks. What, you mean I can't eat chicken soup noodles for the rest of my life? Oh, yeah, no, I'm (laughs) sorry. Sad as that may be. <laughs> um, so I'm fully making the most of it now whilst I'm free. Yeah, that I definitely. can uh, make whatever I want, eat pesto pasta forever. I love that. And I also love like the ability that we have to romanticize these things mm-hmm. because I think often I get criticized for that by a lot of people in my life. They're like, you can make anything sound <laughs> like it's like the end credits of a movie. But I just, I love to romanticize the little things because I don't know, it's a really nice way of coping when things go wrong if that makes sense 100% I feel like it's so important some people might think it's a bit like weird or silly or unnecessary but when you are able to find joy in the small things the things that make up your everyday routine then happiness is something that is so much easier to attain and hold on to whereas when you only find happiness and joy in the big exciting moments like getting a promotion or finding a new job or buying a house or whatever it may be like yeah those are still exciting and obviously bring happiness but if those are the only things that bring you significant joy you're going to spend all of your time chasing that and never being happy in the present whereas when you find that joy in the things that make up your everyday routine you'll just be so much happier overall and that's the thing i think these small things these the big things that we often find it easy to be happy about are definite definite markers of change in our life mm-hmm. and they are big things in our life but these small things make up life as a whole like they are the backbone of life and so being able to find kind of happiness in these things is just so vital to being to kind of getting into that rhythm of everyday life and the backbone of life and to finding contentment in that and not always needing there to be a constant stream of big things because life isn't like that they can all come at once like buses and then yeah you might not have anything for a few years that feels big in your life and I think settling into that routine is a big part of your 20s and also like just adulthood in general I think Dolly Alderton really hits the nail on the head when she has a whole chapter on this because I think 
you do kind of get to that adult stage you get into the rhythm of working and of just living your life it's not punctuated always by these big exciting things and you do think is this it and I think taking a moment to pause and being like this is it and look at all of the amazing magic things that it contains is a really just grounding exercise and I think that it's something that I actually do quite a lot if I'm feeling down Mm -hmm. and I think it's a good tactic for if you're feeling stagnant or down is to try and list some of the things that you might take for granted or that you don't even think about in your everyday life you just do like that first sip of coffee or tea like you just do it because it's part of your routine but when you actually stop and think about it think about the joy it brings you and the gratitude you have for it and I think it's just a very healing experience like it sounds silly but it's not I think it's a very good tactic of grounding yourself and reminding yourself why there is joy in the everyday 100% I think that is the perfect way to conclude our thoughts on this one but yeah it's just a really really great practice I think to implement into your life and before long if it feels like a bit of a struggle now before long you'll be able to notice loads and loads of little things that bring you joy and it's just a really nice thing to have to know that you can find that much happiness in your everyday existence is I think a really empowering thing. Yeah definitely so with that said, <laughs> let's move on to something else that brings me joy. <laughs> and I hope it brings you joy. And I hope it brings anyone that listens joy. Let's move on to our Agony Aunt column. Perfect. Okay, so jumping into what is clearly Em's favourite part of this <laughs> podcast, um, and definitely something that I enjoy as well, we have our agony ant questions. So, first up, I received a question which I thought was really interesting. So, essentially, what this person was talking about was the fact that they currently have a YouTube channel which focuses on food, but that they would like to start talking about other topics, and specifically, they were talking about wanting to talk about books as well, and they kind of wanted us to discuss whether or not it is worth sort of breaking out of your niche and whether or not having a really specific niche is important, whether or not you can use your channel as an expression of lots of things that you enjoy or whether it's better to just have that really clear focus. So I thought that we'd discuss this one because I think we both kind of fall into different categories of this. Yes, I definitely think there is room to have more than just your niche on your online space because I definitely I started out just with books and then my YouTube channel became writing as well but there is something to be Mm -hmm. said for the fact that those two things are linked and often the people that read are also the people that like to write books and to write fiction and poetry or whatever it is that people are writing so I did broaden my niche but only to something that was slightly connected I will say when I go and try and find YouTube channels to watch if there isn't a clear purpose of the channel, it sometimes puts me off. And that's not to say it can't work, and that's not to say that you're just trying to appeal your YouTube channel to me, (laughs) because you definitely aren't. Um, But I do think it's something definitely to think about. I think we wanted to both have a space where we could talk about lifestyle things Mm -hmm. and talk about life in general. And I don't know about you, but I felt like my channel wasn't the right place to do that, and that's the whole reason that this podcast kind of came to be because yeah we needed another space to talk about those things I think mm-hmm. it's a, I, I actually don't know where I stand on I it know, it's so uh, tricky. exploring it right now answering this agony and it's tough 
It really is because I feel like I have personal experience of this because my first couple of videos on my channel were purely food related. I then like a couple of months into having the channel started to explore books and then I was kind of in between food like what I eat in a days and like reading wrap-ups and book hauls and all of that kind of stuff and I don't think I fully decided what my niche was until maybe like a good six to eight months in at which point I kind of then moved more towards books being the main focus of the channel but then through vlogs and occasional what I eat in a day is still having some focus on food um but it is really difficult because I definitely noticed that my channel did better when I had the specific focus and I think that once you are more established people will watch more of a range of things yeah. but when you're just getting started I think it is more important to have a specific niche because like you say sometimes things that look very varied can be off-putting to someone um, until they're invested in you as a person if that makes sense. As you were talking I was just thinking that I completely agree with that <laughs> and I was thinking about your channel in particular and about how I watch things on your channel that definitely wouldn't fall into kind of the things that I am passionate about but because I'm invested in you as a person and with other channels it's the same as well like because I'm invested in the person that runs the channel and that speaks I'll listen to them speak about anything so I definitely think there's something to be said with for starting out with a niche and adding in other things that you're passionate about as time goes on yeah definitely so I guess sort of trying to answer this person's query I think they also kind of did ask whether or not it'd be better to start a different channel more dedicated to a second niche so I would say if you want to talk about both of those things equally and you want to be able to give both of them a lot of focus on the channel then it would probably make more sense to have two different channels where you can yeah. give equal focus to both of those things whereas if you predominantly want to talk about let's say food but you might occasionally want to talk about books then maybe just throw it into a vlog or something like that and it's not necessarily worth a second channel so I guess it would depend on how much time and focus you're wanting to give to each of those things because I did have to eventually decide that books would be the primary focus now I only do like a dedicated food video maybe like once every three months or so because they don't do as well it's not what people want to see as much of so I guess it comes down to like how much passion you have for each of those things and how often you want them to feature and then decide whether it's worth having two channels that would allow you to give equal focus to both of those things without putting people off that aren't interested in either of those niches. Yeah and I think that if you want to trial people's interest in a topic a vlog is a good way to do that. I think you can pack a lot into a vlog that yeah. kind of surrounds the main focus so like I can do a reading vlog but I can talk about a lot of other different things in there and see how it goes down and often like it does go down well and I'm glad I trialed it or people won't comment on it or actually like you can see that people didn't watch the video all the way through and you can kind of analyze how people responded to that. So I definitely think that Kira's advice is sound there. So <laughs> that was our first Agony Anne. And then the other one is slightly different, but I thought that it was kind of related a little bit to our main theme of the week. And we got an Agony Anne that said, I just moved to a new city and I'm really struggling with city loneliness. And do you have any tips for dealing with loneliness and finding roots in a city? So do you have any advice for that one? Uh, well, I was born and still live in Leeds, so <laughs> I've never moved city. Um, however, I do feel like as I've gotten older, I've like grown to appreciate it more. And obviously, like you do 
you sort of see things differently as an adult as you do when you're like younger and you're sort of doing things as dictated by like parents and things like that so I think finding roots would maybe be like figuring out what it is that you're interested in and finding places that you can connect with that in the city that you're living in so maybe joining clubs or if you're at uni obviously like societies and things like that finding places to connect with like-minded people I definitely feel like I connected more with leads and found like more of a community when I got into yoga because there is definitely like a an established yoga community with the studios and that was a great opportunity to meet people that I wouldn't have otherwise connected with in my day-to-day life so I think just figuring out what you're interested in and using that as an opportunity to meet people that you would connect well with and that sort of mirror your interests and what you're doing in life is a great way to just find roots anywhere whether you're from the city or whether you're new to it. Yeah, I definitely think that's a good way of meeting people. When I first moved to York, I joined a writing group and that was a great way of having just something every week that I knew I would get to engage with other people and like-minded people and I really enjoyed that. But as time has gone on, I think that finding roots in a city, especially in a pandemic, it's really difficult. I have moved to Mm -hmm. Leeds for university and then I also moved to York following university and obviously moving to a city for university is a lot easier to find roots because everybody is kind of looking for connections and looking for roots themselves so it's easy to find people although not always easy and I think that uh, university loneliness is a whole other topic in itself and it's very very real but in terms of moving to York a city where I had absolutely no connections and it really it was really difficult to find roots particularly because I moved there and then the pandemic happened I would say that Going back to the small joy conversation, which is how I thought that Mm. it kind of linked up, one thing that helped me feel really connected to a city that I had never felt connections in before was walks. (laughs) And walking (laughs) around the city and just appreciating what was there and what there is to love about the city, that really helped in terms of feeling kind of emotionally connected to a place because I think it's very easy to move to a place and to kind of trap yourself in your bedroom because you don't have anything, anyone to go out with and like just not appreciating the city where you live and therefore coming to res- growing to resent it. So I think definitely going for walks and seeing what there is to love about your city. I also think that there is no shame in going out on your own. I love going to a cafe and sitting there with a book on my own or mm. I've even when I lived in Leeds I used to go to like Wagamama's on my own and have dinner on my own. Like there is no shame in doing that just because you don't have someone to go there with yet then it doesn't mean you can't go and do all these things that you want to do in that city. You shouldn't let it hold you back. And then also, I think I'm really... I'm really a supporter now, after the last couple of months, of changing your living situation. I think that if you've moved to a city, and I don't know what living situation this person is in that asks that question, but I moved to the city and I found it really, really difficult to make friends. As I said, also in a pandemic, how do you make friends? So I joined a house share with four other people and it has been such a good decision because (laughs) when you live with people, (laughs) you just constantly have people that you can chat to. And I think that that's a really good way of feeling more settled in a city to feel like you have more connections on like a living situation level as well. And then final piece of advice is that there are a lot of like Facebook groups for graduates Mm. because... I mean, I'm assuming that this is a kind of graduate situation, maybe. Um, Like, I was editor for a website and community called Newgrad, and they have a Facebook group where you can meet up with people in your area and find people to connect with. And I think that those kind of groups, because that isn't the only one, there are several like that, is a really good way of finding other people in a city that might be feeling the same way. So I feel like that's a lot of, like, 
scrambled information, but those kind of things have helped me definitely joining groups, going for walks and going out on my own in the city, changing up my living situation and finding graduate communities online that can then kind of make manifest themselves into real life meetups. Mm, those are definitely some great pieces of advice. And I do feel like it's the kind of thing that feels very daunting to begin with. And then gradually all of these little bits will slot into place. And then one day you probably just won't even think about it anymore. It's not necessarily that maybe one day you'll suddenly think, ah, I've yeah. grown my roots. Like you'll just like suddenly slot in and what felt like a strange and unusual place where you didn't really know anyone will feel like familiar and will feel like your home. So it's just Definitely. something that will take time. And obviously it's a bit trickier, like we've said, in this pandemic situation, but it definitely will happen, especially if you put yourself out there with the tips that we shared. 100%. And also just to add on to that, I feel like making friends with a city is a lot like making friends in general. You know, like when you make friends with someone and the first few times you see them, like I know we probably felt that ourselves, like the conversation is a little bit more like you have to try, but then over time yeah. it becomes just so so natural and you feel so settled and I feel like cities are like that too like you have to put in the effort at first and it might feel like you're not getting a lot back but then over time it'll just feel really natural and you'll feel more settled without even realizing it and so yeah that is the second agony ant that we have this week amazing well i think that brings this episode to an end this has been such an uplifting episode i feel super ready to take on the new week because it literally is like 8am on Monday morning <laughs> and I feel very positive and excited about this week. Me too, I'm literally sat at the same desk and about to start my brand new year of work, of full-time work, so definitely looking forward to that first sip of coffee right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's definitely the little things that is the main takeaway from this episode 100%. and obviously if you have any like little things that bring you joy and you want to share those with us on our social medias we would absolutely appreciate that because it does bring me a lot of joy to find out what other people oh, yeah, me too. like live for it's just this has been such a fun conversation today so i'd love to know any of you listening and um, what your like little joys and things that bring you happiness in your everyday life have been but thank you so so much for listening as always and we'll catch you in the next episode <laughs> catch you later <laughs> <laughs> bye guys bye